You're listening to I Teach Therefore, a podcast that believes in elevating teachers and therefore the teaching profession by letting teachers be the narrators of their own stories. Welcome to I Teach Therefore. Tonight, our guest is Jeff Wheatcraft. I know him very well. We work in the same district. I've known him for, um, gosh, a few years now. Since, since I was leaving college and starting teaching, we met at, that, at the summer enrichment programming. But Jeff, I'm going to ask you to tell us all about yourself how you came into education, because I know it's not exactly a routine story. Yeah, so let's see. Um, So I went through school. (laughs) It's it's a long story, but I'll try to shorten it. So it started with, uh, you know, when I I was in high school, I really wanted to go into like uh, aerospace engineering or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I did an assignment Um, I wanted to go to Arizona State University because they had a pretty good engineering program at the time. And um, in my junior year, to kind of preface for this, our English teachers had us write uh, letters of intent to universities we wanted to attend. So I wrote mine to ASU saying I want to do this. And ASU sent me this huge package. It was amazing. It had all this stuff about going to school, the engineering program. And it it had a list of the classes I could take my first year. And I was so excited to do it that I was like, um uh that I was I showed it to my teacher I brought it back the whole package and when she saw the list of classes she's like I don't really think you're smart enough to do this no Uh, yeah and so that like it impacted me because then I started thinking and that was a year I kind of dropped down a level of math because I wasn't as proficient as I should be um and so my senior year I had an art teacher who was amazing I always enjoyed um doing like painting and drawing doing all that kind of stuff um, but, uh, you know, that year, that teacher influenced me, um, like big time. I spent a year in her class and I went from being, you know, I always tell people I went from being this like wannabe Bob Ross guy to uh, <laughs> actually producing art that was, you know, that like was on display and people appreciated what you, what I did. Um, so when I went to school and I met my advisor at ASU for the first time, I want, I knew I wanted to go and do something in art. And she sat me down. She goes, look, I, I, you know, I strongly suggest you do something where you could actually get a job um, because most art people don't get jobs. Only about 5% of people who go through art school get a job actually making money doing art. Um, and so she goes, I suggest you become, do, go, do art education. So she goes, you'll get a job when you're done. <laughs> you get paid money. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. So I did that. And anyway, so when I went through college, um, I found uh, to get to relieve the stress of doing school. And a friend, he started teaching me how to do uh, swing dancing. Um, and so I really got involved with doing swing dancing so much. So that's actually how I ended up meeting my wife. And I really, mm-hmm. by the time I was done with college, I really didn't want to do anything with art education. I wanted to open my own dance studio and, and teach people how to dance. <laughs> that's um, awesome. so, so yeah, so, uh, we got, you know, I, I graduated with my, my BFA and, um, wasn't even thinking about teaching at all and not in a formalized classroom. I just was going to go do dance and, have fun. And then um, we got married. We moved out here to Texas. We got married. And after uh, we on our on our wedding night, we got we got pregnant. So um, 
my wife came to me and was like, hey, we'd been running a dance that wasn't hugely successful. Um, you know, we were losing money every week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we had, we had side jobs. I worked at numerous places, Home Depot. I was a painter, all kinds of stuff. And she was a waitress. And she goes, look, she goes, I know you love doing this, but we can't raise a kid on, you know, this idea that loses money every, and we're talking like we were losing hundred, hundred and $50, $200 every week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't even like, oh, $5. It was yeah. hundreds of dollars. We were in the hole. Yeah. Anyway, so I finally swallowed my pride and, and, and we went on our honeymoon. And on the way back from our honeymoon, we saw this sign that says, um, want to teach? When can you start? And I know was, those billboards. Yeah. Those, right? <laughs> and so it was for, it was for Texas teachers. And so I, I literally got home and I called them and I said, here's the deal. I have my degree, my BFA is in art, but education. And they're like, great. They're like, so they slapped me in this like two week long summer program. Like this is how off the cuff and, and (laughs) this is why changes got made because I literally sat for two weeks, um, watching Harry Wong videos. And after the two weeks, okay, you're certified to teach now. Good luck. (laughs) And so, uh, ironically, they were like, here's the deal. You're going to have to take your, your tests. Like you're, um, you, you won't get a job uh, unless you take one your um, your certification test in, in your area of proficiency. And I told the teacher, I told the woman, I go, well, here's the thing. I go, I can do art. She's like, that's great, but you'll never get hired on as an art teacher. Like only teachers that have been through the program will get hired on as art teachers. Yeah. They don't they don't hire art teachers. Um, and I go, well, well, what can I do? She's like, well, you need you need to do high needs area. And I go, what are those? She's like, math a special ed. And I was like, I don't even know anything about it. She goes, and science. I go, I could try science. I was great in science in high school. Um, I mean, I took AP biology and aced the course without ever studying. Mm -hmm. Um, so I took, I took both my art and my science exam and I actually did better on my science one than I did on my art one, (laughs) which was funny. Oh my gosh. Um, Anyway, but, and then that, that was summer of 2006 and that fall I got interviewed for an art position um, in Judson Independent <laughs> School District. There's and so many twists and turns in is, your story. It never goes the way you expect. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. You kind of lay out, and I guess that's kind of the first thing I learned. I learned mm-hmm. that right away is that even the best laid plans don't work out. So I got to the point where instead of looking at here's the path I want to take, I was like, eh, what's the general direction I want to head in? Mm-hmm. And I would start setting my goals for that rather than saying, oh, I've got to do this exact thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I got, I got hired on, I was a split teacher. So I taught at two different campuses. I taught right. three periods in the morning at one, three in the afternoon. Um, I actually loved doing that. It was fun. I got this long, like two hour break in between where <laughs> I would drive and I'd even drive to the other school and I'd take a nap before my afternoon class. <laughs> oh my God. It, was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I was at two schools. The second school was the, the first school in the morning was considered my home campus. But the second one was the one I enjoyed being at because those teachers, when I got there, a lot of them really, they, they came to me. I had a lot of great mentors that weren't even assigned to be mentors that year. Yeah. Um, and they were just awesome. And at the end of that school year, they came to me and they said, here's the deal. Your, your art position is going full time to one campus. And I thought, great. I don't have to grow, you know, and he goes, the problem is it's the morning campus. And I was like, mm-hmm. bummed. So, so I asked her, you just didn't feel as comfortable at? No, I just didn't. I remember, I remember that first year it was the, the tax testing, right? Oh no. First, <laughs> yeah. We hadn't had star yet. It was tax. And uh, that week of that whole week of, of tax, I had to, um, I was, I had to split. I had to do 
two and a half days at one campus and two and a half days at the other one. And my first two and a half days were at my, the afternoon campus, which I loved. And they, it was amazing. I walked in the teacher's lounge on that Monday and you would not know it was tax testing. It was like a fiesta. Like everybody's like, come get a drink, have fun, here's breakfast, blah, blah, blah. It was like the best thing. And it was, I thought, wow, if this is what state standardized testing is, I can do this, right? Mm -hmm. And of course I was an art teacher, so I never got the, I wasn't put in a classroom. I was one of the, you know, fill in, monitor, that kind of thing. Right. I get to my other morning one and I'm just like, you thought the teachers were like walking dead. Like oh, no. they really, it was awful. I hated that two days of being there. So at the end of that year, um, when I, I went to my principal, I go, look, is there anything I could do to stay on this campus? And she goes, well, he goes, what are you, cert are you certified in anything beside art? I go, yeah, I'm certified science. Well, five people left, we're leaving that year. Three retirees and two transfers. And I go, well, can I teach science? <laughs> and she's like, sure, I'll give you a shot, whatever. Well, ironically, she, like, she said yes and signed that paperwork. And about a week later, she was replaced by somebody. And I was like, and Ooh, then- so You yeah, got in then, right away. I got in right in, I got lucky. <laughs> um, yeah, and then from there on, I, that, that's what I've taught is science. And yeah. the first few years were rough. It was not easy. It was, in fact, it was, I, I, many a days I kept telling my wife, my, in fact, my whole goal to teach was to, to make enough money where I could keep doing the dance and it could <laughs> offset. Um, and that never happened. Mm -hmm. And I don't know when it turned, I think around like the end of my third years when I started realizing that I actually don't mind teaching. Um, it was just very difficult. I had to learn a lot of things that, um, you know, that teachers now, if you've been teaching for longer than three years, you probably take for granted. Um, but I had to learn those and it was very difficult. So, um, but yeah. now I love teaching. Like I don't. Yeah. I know you as a science person, <laughs> which is why I was like, you need to tell your story because you know, I've, I've seen your story with all of the interviews that you did from being Texas teacher of the year. Yeah. Woo. Um, woohoo. But I was like, I won't be able to do the, um, swing dancing art <laughs> whole synopsis justice. Um, but another thing I wanted to touch on is it's so funny. I think every single educator has that teacher that, you know, yes. for better or for worse, mm. made a huge impact on our praxis. So Definitely. it's wild that she, yeah, just didn't think of you that way because, you know, even when we've collaborated with our students, Jeff, I always tell my kids, oh my gosh, Mr. Wheatcraft, he is incredible. He's so smart. All of his students do the coolest things in their class. Um, I hold you, you know, at just this really high standard um, because of the work that you do and things that I associate with you. So yeah, it's wild to think that someone could have ever thought of you that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, and the funny thing was is too, the reason I wanted to do aerospace engineering mm -hmm. um, was because my eighth grade science teacher influenced me like I took his class knowing nothing about science and especially about space and he like opened this door that I never knew existed and I like I became his he ran an astronomy club I became the president of that um you know I it was it was incredible so he really inspired me to do that in fact when I got my eagle scout when I turned 18 he was the one who presented that to me because oh, of that wow. connection that I had and that yeah. that yeah, so it was very difficult not going into science because mm -hmm. on some level, I felt like I was cheating him because of the influence he had on me. So it was very, 
a very difficult decision to make when I went to school. Having had both ends of the spectrum, you know, someone who opened your eyes to all that you could do with science and someone who really just kind of shut the door for you, where do you land with your own teaching and with your own um, goal for your students? Oh, I always, I land at the, the opening the doors and making, I, I don't, I mean, really, I have a hard time and uh, Susanna knows this best um, because of the way the program is structured that I run. I've never believed like if a kid wants to do something and they put their mind to it, they can do it. Um, I, I mean, that's what the whole program that I run was premised on is that, look, if, if, if a kid who, who uh, may not be the smartest one at math or science, but he sees like, wow, they get to work with tools or they get to use their hands and that's what I'm good at. That's potential. We've kind of lost some of that in public ed where, especially with the loss of like uh, trades and stuff like that is that those kids feel discounted. Like what something there is not valued anymore. Um, and so, so they feel like, well, what am I gonna do now? Um, when in reality, uh, so many kids are talented in so many ways and they, they don't know it yet. And nobody has shown them, hey, this is not only something you could be good at, but you can make good money doing it too. Um, so I don't know, there, have there been kids who have tried my patience to the point where I want to pull my hair out? Of course, all the time. But those kids, I always go, they're going to be the successful ones because they're the ones that are just resilient and will push and figure out how to do stuff. Uh -huh. So, you know, so yeah, I've never, there's never been a kid who's walked through my door where if they told me something, like, I want to be this, I said, no, you can never be that because I really believe that if you put your mind to it, you can do whatever you want to do. But the thing is, Jeff, you model that for your students. Like, like you said, with the program you have at the junior school, that was something that you asked for and advocated for and made it happen. The work that you do as a storm chaser, and I don't want to speak on that for you because it completely goes over my head, but it's completely, you know, separated from school and yet inherently tied to school, which is I mean, that's the premise of our podcast, but again, it's something that you model for your kids so well and touches on what you're just talking about, which is kids being able to advocate for themselves and say, you know, if I want to do something, I have to be creative enough to figure out how to make it happen. But yes, please tell us about um, your other role, so to speak, as a storm chaser. How did that even get started? Um, <laughs> well, I gotta not be loud because my wife's around. She doesn't like me doing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> so really, it came, it goes back to a couple things. I've always been fascinated by weather and understanding weather. And, and I've always had these reoccurring dreams that deal with, with weather. In fact, ironically, Ooh. and I don't know if it's I knew I was gonna do this, but I had this really weird dream last night about it, that I actually was in a house and a tornado went over it. And then there was a flash flood and I was able to get away from it. It was really, really surreal. Oh my gosh. Um, so I love weather so much. And my mom, when we were young, we'd have these monsoons come through and the lightning and thunder would always wake me up. And I remember sitting at one, two, three in the morning with my mom and we had this big bay window and we would just watch the lightning. And it was amazing because we'd see lightning of like, purples and blues and greens and just the storms would be incredible and it just fascinated me like why 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 is it blue lightning why is there green lightning why do the storms look that way um and I was always interested in that um and then when I started designing the stem program you know 
it really wasn't so, so much that I advocated to do the STEM program. It's more that I advocated to get a grant that was a huge amount of money. It was, they were giving, some group was giving away, I want to say it was like $10 million. And it was, uh, they want to give it to 10 different teachers, a million dollars each to do something very unique and sophisticated. And I thought I'd like to do something very unique and sophisticated uh -huh. and get a million dollars to do it. So when I approached the, who was at the time our administration, they were like, oh, okay, yeah, we, maybe. <laughs> um, it was about a week later, they came back to me and um, she goes, look, they think that's a great idea, but what they, we really need is we need something that's gonna kind of feed into the Rocketry program at mm. the high school. Um, because kids love the program, but by the time they get into high school, it's already too late for them to really enroll in the program. Yeah. So we need something to interest them earlier on. And so they're like, can you design it? And I'm like, well, sure, I can design it. I don't really want to design it, but then I, I'll do it. Because may, they, they kind of hinted that maybe if I did it, we could write the grant for that. Mm -hmm. So That's I was like, okay. Pro so, here. <laughs> exactly. So I did it. And I thought to myself, I'm going to scour the internet and find the most ridiculous things you could have kids do. Like in a classroom. <laughs> right? So I, I, I went through each unit we taught. I was like, oh, astronomy. Let's build, let's build, a, a, let's build a planetarium. That's what we're going to, or not a planetarium, an observatory. So I put that in there. And then I was like, okay, chemistry, we're going to do this stuff with uh, ocean science and chemical, blah, blah, blah. Great. And I got to weather. When I got to weather, I was like, I know what I want to do. So I was like, we need to, I want us to study uh, tornadoes and severe weather and how it develops and all that stuff. And boom, I put it all into a package. I'm thinking there is no way any sane person would, would approve of this because it had to go in front of the board and the board had to approve it. And <laughs> I gave it to that. I gave it to, um, I gave it to, she was our Dina student at the time. Um, and I gave it to her and she took it to the board meeting and she called me or texted me. I can't remember right after the meeting. And she's like, they approved the whole thing. They think it's great. <laughs> yes. Like, great. I think you're unique and sophisticated. <laughs> so then the hard part became, okay, now how am I going to actually do this? Like, how is that actually going to happen? Um, and so then it became, uh, it became just trying to figure out um, how to institute these kind of ideas. How can I really insert them? Um, you know, I started, it, there was a whole bunch of things coming together at the same time. Um, something else I, I do that I'm passionate about is I like building things. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew that had to be part of it. I like, you know, I wanted kids to learn how to use tools. I wanted kids to learn how, I wanted basically, there's a great, um, there's a great uh, program or great, there's a great, it's not a podcast. I don't know what it would be. Um, it's called, uh, it's, it's Adam Savage, from, the guy from Mythbusters. Okay. And he, he does this thing, uh, it's called um, Tested. It's Adam Savage's, excuse me, Tested. And it's this great series of videos where basically he, he comes up with an idea of something and he builds something to test it to see whether it actually works. I love that. And it's amazing. And if you ever watch his show, he's in this like shop that he has every tool imaginable so that if he has an idea of building it, he's like, I'm just gonna walk over here to this machine and make it right now. Yeah. And so that, that was my thought process. Like, and that, that goes back to the kids being able to do anything they can. Mm -hmm. Was I wanted to be where if a kid has an idea, I don't wanna have to tell them, that's a great idea, but we, we don't have any way of making it. Yeah. I wanted to be like, sure, let go make it, see if it works. Mm -hmm. And so 
that coupled with project-based learning, which I was getting into a lot um, when I started developing the program, was really kind of the triggers that, that made this happen. And then just going to administration and telling them, look, I don't want cookie cutter. I don't want it to be something that everybody buys and everybody else does. I want it to be unique. And I don't want it to be limited to only smart kids. I don't want it to be like, oh, it's wrong. I want it to be like, no, if a kid thinks they want to do it and they want the challenge, they should be able to do it. And I've had kids who academically were not, you know, A plus students. They weren't even mm-hmm. B plus students. But when you start showing a kid like, hey, if you work on this aspect um, that you're good at and then couple that with something you're not good at, they kind of can work in tandem and you get better at both. And I had kids that did. I had kids that would be like, I've never passed a science test and your, 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 your class is the first year I passed. And so- You brought it to life for them. Yeah. Exactly. And that was, that was the key. It wasn't just, hey, here's a, here's a worksheet or, hey, here's um, a problem that 500. The Oreos, the Oreo moons. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff and I's inside joke is the Oreo moon moon when you're teaching moon phases. And my kids would always walk in when we were doing moon phases. Why don't we get to eat Oreos? I go, look, if you want to eat some Oreos. But I'd rather have you do something that can have meaning to you than just, oh, I made a moon, I got to eat it. Okay, but you do, you nail that. I mean, um, I said when I first met you, I think was during the summer enrichment programs and you were doing a lot of essentially that, that melding of building and severe weather stuff for the summer enrichment program. And I remember walking into your class, your classroom for the camp. And one time you made, basically it was like a simulation. I'm totally going to mess this up. And I'm probably going to say the word thingy a lot because (laughs) this is just not my area, but you had made like a hurricane simulation. Mm -hmm. And then, so essentially it was, (laughs) this is for the listeners who are on my level. It was like a wooden box and inside was a hurricane. The tornado, yeah. Or tornado, right. And then another time I walked in, the kids were essentially in, I don't even know how to describe it, except for it looked almost like tarp that took up up the entire space of the classroom and you had a giant box fan blowing it up. And then the students had like poked constellations into it so that when the lights were on in the classroom but you were underneath the tarp, it looked like outer space. I don't know, the galaxy again, not my area. (laughs) Um, But yes, you nail that, the balance, the difference between being cutesy and Pinteresty and meaningful. There's there's things that you can do that can create these experiences that kids will always remember, like the Oreos, because kids remember the Oreos, but they will remember them with the academic standards or skills that you are trying to teach it's it's so cool no thanks yeah 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 it really was again it's it's an attempt to get them to realize that what what is out there in the world that they can tackle and the problems that we are going to face as a society um and just the work they could do and a lot of them don't even realize um the work that they're doing and contributing to the field of study and and i think was it this year I blew my kids' minds and even some teachers I've been working with. And I said, look, I go, I go, it was, it was triggered by a student who asked me if they, they knew me from Alamo Heights. Um, they were a couple years younger. 
in eighth grade. They were, they were walking past my class as a parent. I think it was maybe me, the teacher. I can't remember. And they pointed at me and they go, that's Mr. Wecraft. That's the scientist that works here. And, and my first thought was, my first thought was, well, no, no, I'm just, I'm, and, and I, and this is going to sound, this is probably the, the, the worst thing I've said about myself and about teachers is in my thought, I, in my head, I thought, no, no, I'm just a teacher. Mm. And then it hit me, then it hit me when I was like, wait a second. So I actually went home and I Googled science, I Googled scientists. Yeah. I Googled the definition of scientists and it, the definition of scientist is either it's an expert in a field of study of science or someone who conducts science experiments. And I thought in my head, I'm like, actually, I am a scientist. And then I started realizing, I'm like, crap, like 90% of my kids who do stuff with me are scientists because they're conducting actual experiments where they're collecting authentic data. And so I, when, I, when I told kids that on like the second day of school last year, some just sat there and they were like, I think they were bewildered because you kind of hear like the word scientist and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's a guy who's got like four PhDs and has been writing papers for decades and has a white beard, you know, and all this. And it's like, well, no, not, not exactly. And yes, I respect all those guys that do that, but there are lots of guys that we know that have names. Einstein comes to my mind first mm -hmm. that were never been formally trained in any kind of educational setting. And we know them as great scientists. Mm -hmm. And so I want students to also know that too. Like it's not this endeavor that you have to go to school for 20 years to do and you're, you're then you're okay to be a scientist. Like you can go in your backyard and be a scientist just by doing exploring doing observation doing research you know mm -hmm. and so it so it hit me like now I tell my teachers when I go and I, I train I go yes I'm a teacher and that's an awesome profession and you're all great but if you're doing what I'm doing you're also a scientist too mm -hmm. and you should be proud of that because it's something that you bring to the table yeah I did tear up <laughs> I'm, and I'm so glad that you brought up that trope which is the scientist being first of all a guy a male and second, oh, yeah. who does something in a closet, not speaking with others, you know, in isolation, um, but kind of really um, pinpointing on the male aspect of it. What have you seen in your own teaching with um, female students uh, in the STEM field? Because as we know, there is a huge shortage. Um, and a lot of that, you know, starts with those early exposure moments. It does. It does. And it's been a big push to get uh, girls involved in that kind of stuff. And when you look at the history of science in general, and you see the basic oppression of females in scientific fields, like I always tell my students when I taught, um, when I taught seventh grade science, which is biology, and we talked about DNA. And I was like, well, who, who discovered DNA? And oh, Watson Crick, well, no, a woman discovered that, they stole her work and published it as their own work. Mm -hmm. And if you look, back at a lot of that there were always women behind the scenes um there's even a guy uh, who's famous oh i can't remember his name but he had he actually had this group but it was basically his group of women and he would collect since women weren't allowed to use telescopes it would, this is like the ooh, when was this maybe the early 1800s since women weren't allowed to use a telescope because that was only a man's tool he would go and take slides of all these pictures and then these women would actually catalog the slides in fact, if it wasn't for this group of women, we would not have the extensive catalog of all the stars in the skies that we have today. Wow. Wow. Uh, but that's all accredited to that's all accredited to that one guy. Mm -hmm. None of the women get credit mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. um, so there. So yeah. So when we first started the the program, we made an open enrollment to any student who wanted to do it. There was no prerequisite at all. 
Um, and our first year, we had 60, 66 kids join. 63 of them were boys. So mm. we had three girls. Yeah. And I was like, no, we, we can't do that. That's yeah. not right. That's not right. And so what we did is I spent that whole spring semester doing research, doing exit interviews, doing entrance interviews, talking to eighth graders, talking to seventh graders. And one thing that we found that was amazing was out of eighth graders we interviewed, girls, we said, we asked them, did you ever think about joining the STEM program? And girls who said they thought about it, when we asked them, why didn't they? The number one answer was they just didn't think they were smart enough to do it. Mm -hmm. And so that next, so then we had in that spring, um, I met and sent out letters to all the girls that in our seventh grade that could go into eighth grade next year. We had a girls STEM night where we only invited girls and they came in the room. They got to see all the stuff we do. They got to see the tools. Um, I invited the three girls who were in the class to come and talk about the class and they were ecstatic about it. And that next year we had 67 kids sign up, 31 of which were girls. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. So we moved that needle. And every, every year since, it's been about, it's been around half and half. Half the population is girls, half the population is boys. So that's yes, awesome. that's Because it's important. You yeah. Know? yeah. But, it, but it is another job, like removing barriers to give yes. kids equitable access to these programs. Um, a job that needs to be done. But yeah, that's, it's, it's another one of your roles that I think people don't think of or tend to downplay. Another thread that I keep following and almost, I feel like every answer you've given us tonight, Jeff, is just the value of culture and relationships. Like the culture of a campus, uh, when you were first starting off teaching, the, the value of the relationships that you have with your students when you you know, give them an opportunity to be successful or do something that they didn't or take on a part of their identity that they didn't um, previously identify with. So yeah, I guess I'm just wondering how do you maintain that and what are some things that you really intentionally do to cultivate relationships in your classroom that any teacher could do? Well, I mean, I'll be honest, I make fun of a lot of kids. That helps. <laughs> I've learned humor. <laughs> humor. It's it's funny. I when I first started teaching, I remember this is probably this was probably the turning point. My my third year teaching, um, they they gave me they let me started teaching the gifted program at my old school. And at my old school, if you were an eighth grader, and you were in the gifted program, you automatically took high school biology, which I love high school biology. So I got to teach something I loved, and I got to teach it to this very small group of kids. I only had 12 kids in that class. It was exceptional. And that class was to this day, and I apologize to any students that I've had previously that hear this, and not that I don't love them any less, but to this day, that was probably still my most favorite class I've ever had. And they were very, they were just, they were the kind of class that were easygoing, relaxed. You could have a good joke. You could have a five minute conversation. And then when you said, okay, it's time to get to work, they were like on it. And I tell kids that every year, they're like, could we be your best class? I go, you act like that class, you'll be right there. So, and I've had some that have been really close that they, they can act the same way. I remember two things stuck out in my head. Well, three. The first one was, is that every day I come in and I would tell them a joke and, um, you know, usually funny and we have a good laugh. And then that would initiate other discussion about whatever the topic might be. And we'd all goof around and, and we'd make fun. And there was this camaraderie. That was like 
you know, hey, I, I, you know, I'd have a kid walk in and I'd point out something that was funny about them and they'd immediately, you know, wit right back at me. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always appreciated wit as um, a tool to not be mean to others, but as a tool to build relationships because wit takes a lot of intelligence to do. I remember this going on for the first two or three weeks of school. And at that school, we didn't have back to school night until like a month into school. Mm -hmm. And so I remember being at back to school night and these two moms came up to me and they're all, are you, are you Mr. Weecraft? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. They're like, we want to talk to you about something. Are you, you're the one who tells all the jokes and stuff. I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, well, I don't know if I want to be right now. <laughs> I'm like, kind of worried. And I go, sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I tell jokes. And the, the other mom goes, oh my God, just whatever you're doing, please keep it up. Cause this is the first year my daughter's ever been interested in science ever. Aww. And I want her to do something. By the way, that girl, oh my God, this is the best thing. That girl is now going for her doctorate. She's incredible. She's worked at like a law firm for the past like three years. And now she's going to get whatever that is. I don't, I forget where she's even going, but I, she friended me on Facebook about five years ago and her growth, she was so shy and so worried. She was not smart enough to do anything. Um. And now she's out there doing that. Yeah, it was incredible. So that was the first one. And the second one was I had these two twins um, boy and girl. And about nine months, so after like the, not nine months, nine weeks after the beginning of the year, it's so about nine weeks in the year, they were moving to another state. And I just remember the day they came in when they found out and they were like tears just pouring down their face. And I'm like, what? I go, what's wrong? They're like, we we're moving to another state. And I go, I go, oh, I go, that must suck. I go, you must be really upset that you're like, you're going to miss all your friends and all that. And they're both like, no, we're crying because we don't get to be in your class anymore. <laughs> and they were like, you're so, it's so fun, like getting to come in every day and enjoy like, and actually enjoy being in a room where, you know, you can laugh and you can joke and there's camaraderie. It just, it really like, it got me where I was like, this is what I have to do. And ironically, there was another guy who taught social studies in eighth grade. And um, him and I, we were talking at the end of that, that year and He's like, do the kids really like appreciate you? I go, yeah. I go, which is funny because I give them such a hard time. Like these kids were walking by us. We're like, hey, you guys come over here. And they come up and they're like, yeah, what's up? And I go, I go, why do you like us so much? Like we give you such a hard time. Like doesn't it drive? And they're like, Mr. Weecraft, you get, you get on a level. And we're like, okay. <laughs> so, so you have to like, and that was the moment when I was like, okay, it's all about relationships. Mm -hmm. You can teach, get out a knit blindfolded if you build a good relationship with them. It doesn't matter. They don't care because yeah. they see the value not in necessarily what you're teaching them, but in that relationship that you built with them. Mm -hmm. um, and so then at the end of that year, I had this girl and she gave me this book. She handed it to me. She goes, she goes, I saw this at the bookstore and it made me think of you. And the name of the book is Why Shit Happens, <laughs> the, science behind, the Science Behind a Very Bad Day. And I read it. And it was awesome because it was basically the guy who, who, who went through every step of a bad day and the science behind why it happens. Uh -huh. And it made me laugh. She wrote in the book, she goes, when I, when I entered your class, like I never want to do anything with science. She goes, now I really want to go into um, aerospace engineering um, because you've inspired me so much. And in fact, a couple years hired by NASA as wow. an aerospace engineer. That's awesome. So it's really cool when you get these kids that go do 
you know, things where they're like, I see what you're doing. I see mm-hmm. how you're, you're putting this. And I don't do anything but try to show them like, this is what you could do. Like, this is the opportunities you have ahead of you. If you want, if you don't like science, really. I mean, I've had kids that the whole year, they're like, no, at the end of the year, I go, so any better in science? No, I'm still going to go and be a rock star or football player, whatever. Okay. <laughs> But a lot of them will be like, but I do have a better appreciation for doing stuff and, and yeah. building, you know. You speak so intelligibly and confidently about your experience and just your passion for teaching. And yet your instinctive reaction to someone calling you a scientist was, no, I'm just a teacher. Why yeah. do you think that is? Because it it obviously brings you so much joy. Yeah, I think part of it was was that teacher my junior year. That probably still lingers with me. Mm-hmm. My sister was incredibly smart. And she got all straight A's in all advanced classes every year. She graduated like summa cum laude or whatever those big words are. And she she got a scholarship to Arizona State. And and part of her parents told us like, hey, you know, you have to get a scholarship if you want to go to school. If you don't get a scholarship, you don't go to school. So you need to get a scholarship. And my sister aced it. And I remember her coming home every night and spending two or three hours a night in high school doing homework. And when I got into high school, I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not huge on that. <laughs> like, I didn't want to do three or four hours. I wanted to go hang out with my friends. I, was, I, was, I, I think I was more of a social butterfly than she was. And so I think that kind of played into it too. Like I, just, I, I always saw my sister was like, well, she's really smart. I'm the funny artistic person. I'll go with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, and then it's funny when we, we drove out to, we went to, on vacation to Tennessee a, a few weeks ago to meet my brother. Cause we hadn't seen him in a while and they were alone and we've been alone. So we're like, well, you know, we'll just hang out. And, um, but I remember driving out there, my wife, she bought for the kids, she bought one of these decks of like trivia and it had like a thousand trivia questions in it. And she was, my son was reading them cause my wife can't read in the car cause she gets car sick and I'm driving. And he would read them and I'd be like, blah, 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 correct. And then blah, next one, blah, 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 correct. And after about 10, she's like, damn, you're really smart. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, eh, okay, I know a lot of stuff. So in, and part of me is, I go, I don't know. I think to me, I don't want to be, I don't want to come off as arrogant. That's mm-hmm. the other thing too. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come off as arrogant or that I know better, but um, you know, um, I don't want to be that way. Like I, I think I do have a lot. And if I'm ever hired for a job or people want to hire me to do stuff, yeah, I'll tell them everything I know. But I don't want right, to come off right. as being, listen to me because I know best because I still make mistakes. I still screw up. I still don't do things right. I don't right. do attendance half the time, you know. <laughs> I get those emails every week. You know, your attendance look like Swiss cheese this week. I know, I know. I'm trying to get it. They threaten to lock you out of the system. It's like, okay, well, then I really don't have to do it. Yeah, yeah. Fun. And I'm trying. I'm saying, no, no, no. And it's just for me, I get excited because the kids come in and they're like, are we doing this today? I'm like, yes. And I totally forget I'm supposed to do all these yeah. things that I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Because you're teaching. Because yeah. yeah. I'm teaching. Yeah, I'm doing. I've tried, I've tried building systems to, to circumvent that whole thing. I mean, I've even <laughs> thought about this, having my, a computer open where the kids can come in and click their name if they're present. Yeah. And then I can submit it at some point. But I was like, that's a horrible idea because then kids will be marking each other. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, what? You don't need to spend your time on that. No, you know. You've got storm hard. chasing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I have 45 minutes of time. Every minute is valuable. So I have yeah. to. Yeah. Every minute I can. 
Um, I just want to say, I don't think you come across that way at all. I'm one of your colleagues and I feel like you are someone that I go to, to lift me up. You encourage me a lot. So I don't think you come across that way. Okay. I have a real talk question though. Not that you haven't been real talk this entire time, but I'm quoting you. Don't get mad. <laughs> but in one of your interviews from Texas Teachers of Tomorrow, you said there hasn't been a day in my teaching career that I wake up and I don't want to go into school. All right. Was that true this past um, spring during school closure? Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I would say, again, I would say for the most part that, yes, that holds true. I, I didn't like doing distance learning. Yeah. And it's, and you know, when you look at my classroom and you do, you see what I do, which is 99% hands-on to switch from that to doing, I, my kids can't do any hands-on. That was really hard for me. Um, it was difficult for me to swallow. And, and of course that was when we do all the storm chasing stuff. And so it was very difficult because kids had already started building probes and they had started uh, updating my car and all the stuff that we typically do. And we just had to stop. I mean, I still went, I went storm chasing once. Um, and some, what do you mean updating your car? <laughs> so, so every, every year, um, my kids modify the car so that we can carry equipment on top and, and, and research. And then every year I try to have them add something to it. So like the previous year we added like emergency lights that if I pulled over on the side of the road, people would see them and not hit me because that was a danger I faced. Okay, so this isn't like your minivan with the kids. This is your storm mobile. No, it, it's it's my Corolla. Oh my gosh, no way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, have, you have true um, faith in your students. <laughs> oh, I yeah, they, You know, yeah. You do, you yeah. have to. Yeah. That, but you're also a little bit of, um, like, what is it? Batman and... <laughs> I have a cave you don't know about where... Right? <laughs> no, um, yeah, I do. I really do. I have faith in them. In fact, this is how much faith I have in my kids. Um, when I go out chasing, they actually tell me where to go. They do the predictions and they, they actually yeah. tell me where to go. Now, it, I will say that I'm usually already looking at where I'm going. Mm -hmm. And if they're going to send me like the opposite direction, I might be like, you know, why don't you go back and talk with everybody for about 10 minutes and then mm -hmm. come back and tell me where you're Guiding think. questions. And about half the time to three quarters of the time, they'll, they'll turn around and be like, yeah, you were right. We re-looked it. I've driven to Del Rio one time and sat and watched nothing because they thought, hey, something's going to happen to Del Rio. And yeah, there was some rain, but nothing that, that yeah. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you have, you, you have to do that. Like you have to show them that you're committed to them being the responsible one. Mm -hmm. Like, and it gains you, it, the, I don't want to say loyalty, credibility. but the credibility with, with the kid, the trust, it gains you like those kids trust. I'm not, you know, they're like, Hey, this guy's going to go drive the storm chase and we're going to tell him where to go. we could band together and screw him over and tell him to go the middle of nowhere. But I have faith that they're coming in there, they're doing the work. So going back to the whole spring thing, yeah, I, uh, you know, I said that because when they asked me that question, which was about a little over a year ago, um, mm -hmm. they, at that point, when I thought back, even back to where I taught at my old school, it, except for those first couple years teaching science, yeah, I really, I wake up and I'm excited to get to my classroom in the morning. I'm excited to see what my kids are going to do that day. 
Um, and if you teach something, if you teach your subject in a way where you, you allow your kids to do that, you know, I, I don't see how you could not be excited to get in there and see what they're going to do every day. You also um, mentioned that you seem to be pro alternative certification. That's obviously, you know, a route that you have spoken up before, but it's not one that a lot of people um, are super gun ho about. No. Yeah. No, it's not, um, which is sad. When you, when you get alternative certified and people find out, they try to kind of knock you down a few rungs because, you know, oh, you didn't go through an official program. Well, I know people who've gone through official programs and they were out. I mean, I knew a person, this woman came in, she'd been through her first, you know, she went through an entire university program. She did two semesters of student teaching and she came in like, I'm going to blow us out of the water. She quit two weeks into school. She was done. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm actually, I'm on a board um, for the state. It's a teaching and learning council with uh, Educate Texas. It's a great program that I get to be a part of. And before this whole pandemic um, came about, we were discussing where we should do our work. And I, I'm, I'm not supposed to tell you um, a lot about that because it's kind of a hush-hush thing until we actually right. start in the work. But I can tell you one thing, and, and you, you probably already know this, that one of the items we were considering looking at was teacher preparation. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, and that's what we asked, well, what makes a good teacher? Like, how can we kind of screen? And I told my, my two cents was, well, you can't mm -hmm. because obviously I don't fit the mold of what you would consider a classical teacher. I didn't go through a program. I didn't go through, I didn't student teach. Um, and yet here I sit winning the top award in the state. I have a problem with just simply saying that this pipeline is going to give you the best teachers. Yeah. Um, because um, I can tell you right now, my high school physics teacher, I don't know what he, where he got his degree, but he was awesome. And he spent his summers working in Chicago at this, this particle accelerator slamming protons together. So he did real science physics work and he come back and talk to us about it during school. And then every Friday or every other Friday, he'd take us on a walk down to the donut shop to get donuts. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, I learned a lot of stuff I don't even know if I know anymore, but I love being in that class. Mm -hmm. um, and I enjoyed his insightfulness about not only physics, but life and the universe and all this stuff. So, so yeah. Um, do I advocate for like uh, alternative certification? Yeah. Um, do I think there are programs out there that probably were like the one I did when I first did it and need to improve? Yeah. Because it's tough. You get so many teachers go in those classrooms and they just, they fold completely um, on whatever, you know, and, and then I feel bad because it's tough. Mm -hmm. um, it just, you, you think you're prepared, but kids, yeah. kids can be a beast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and I don't know, I mean, it's even people who've done student teaching. I mean, it's not the same. You get in, in that classroom by yourself with kids and it's, 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 you got to be mentally prepared for that. And um, every group of kids is different. Every year is different. Yeah, it is. It is so much so. So I don't know. Like, I the thing I, I the thing and my wife she's alternative certified and she teaches now. Um, and the thing I always tell people is this: the thing that an alter that an alt cert person brings to the table is their experience in life. So mm -hmm. if you've got a guy who was an engineer and he goes to alternative certification to be an engineering teacher. The value is he's been there. He's been in that, that field. And so he's going to have a bunch of value just inherently from that. Now, is that going to make him a great teacher? Not necessarily. Yeah. But if he can work with students and learn to build those relationships, 
I don't have to now teach him all the content stuff. I mean, he, he is the content, mm-hmm. right. you know, so there's value there. Knowing what you know from this past spring, how are you going to adapt your practice for the fall? I mean, I did see that you did like an Instagram live or something with <laughs> your kids um, for storm chasing. So I know yeah. you're trying to still bring that in, but do you have any ideas? Um, I, I've been working on a couple things. We'll see if they come to fruition. Um, the difficult part is we're using programming that mm-hmm. limits the available availability of being as free to do what I've done before. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. And it's, so it gets difficult. Like I worked, I worked through that when I worked at my old school, they were very much like, you have to teach this on this day. And, and I did that and I was able to, to manipulate, to figure out loopholes in the system to make it so that my kids could do interesting things. Um, and so I figure, well, if I could do it back then, I could do it now. Um, the hands-on part, I don't know. I'm still thinking about that. I still stay up till three in the morning, laying in the bed, staring at the ceiling, going, how can I do something to make yeah. kids feel like they're manipulating without necessarily being able to manipulate? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I'll be the first person to tell you that I'd love to go back to class just because yeah. I love my room. I love work I do but I also will be the first person to be like safety first so um it's difficult that's what we're hearing from a lot of educators right now Mm -hmm. is that they would like to be in the classrooms and with their kids more than anything but yeah Yeah. safety and health first you know so so I don't know so I have some ideas we'll see there there seems to be a good push for making little take-home kits and stuff like that so I may do stuff like that and just very simplified things that kids can do i've been looking into doing things around the house that kids can just oh i have a that's cool (laughs) i have a toilet paper tube lying around i can do that so you know things like that that they can do the advantage we have is our first unit that we teach is astronomy and so there's not i mean beside the telescope that we have there's not a there's not a ton of things that the kids can't do online in, in addition so if we have to expand like nine weeks in the school it's easier. It's not the best, but it is easier. So we could do it. Well, before um, we wrap up, we like to close out uh, with asking everyone to complete the sentence. I teach, therefore. Oh yeah, I saw this earlier. <laughs> and I, I've been thinking about it. And uh, I think to me, I teach, therefore I become immortal. I guess that's how I've always looked at teaching is that it's this way of passing on to kids and the next generation in that, you know, I, I love my dad, like, and the work he's done and to give us a home and to raise us and do all that. Um, and he worked just tirelessly to, to provide what he could. The sad part about it was though, is that unless you knew what he did, his, his, what he has done will be lost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like he built plane parts and plane engines and stuff. So unless you knew that's what he did, you know, once, once his work, once those engines are gone, that's it. The nice thing about teaching is, is that you kind of become immortalized, right? You're, you're impacting a group. And even if you only impact a couple students, they could carry on and carry ideas and thoughts that you had beyond your lifespan. And then maybe teach that to others. So you're propagating this idea that you, you could become something more than you are right now. 
and you can influence. And to me, that's the greatest thing about teaching is that I get to influence kids. Um, I don't like it when people say indoctrinate yeah, um, because that's not true. I teach in a way that gives the kids the power to choose mm -hmm. to say, yes, I understand this and believe this. No, I don't see it that way. Mm -hmm. um, so but I empower them to go out and be more than they are. Um, and so for me, you know, that that's why I teach. It's to gain that. And, and, and I know that probably sounds somewhat selfish. Um, but it's but, not because it's it's about the kids. I mean, it you said it with your success stories, but your success stories are the successes of your students, the one who's getting her PhD, the one who works for NASA. So yeah, so it is. It's a way to to push them, and maybe partly too. I teach um, to see them to see something in a student happen that didn't happen to me. To be that kid that wanted to be that wants to be the aerospace engineer and be that teacher that says no you can do it it doesn't matter what people say about how smart you are or what you look like or the color of your skin or whether you are heterosexual homosexual if you put your mind to it and you 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 see that you can go there and to be that person even if they come back years later and be like i still believe that wow so well said I know. Wealth of insight, just mm -hmm. true best for the job. It just, yeah. Yeah. One last soundbite before we let you go, because you said that you were from Alabama, right? No, I'm from Phoenix. Oh, I kept the entire time you were talking about watching the thunderstorm with your mom. No. I was thinking of Sweet Home Alabama with... <laughs> <laughs> And the lightning hits the sand or whatever, and it makes glass because that, uh -oh. that's who I am. <laughs> no, no, I've been to Alabama. Does that happen? Pretty safe. Does lightning hit stuff and make glass? Yes, that's what I wanted to know. Oh, that's what you want to know? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it Why makes not? sense. It makes sense. It's 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 super hot. I've seen it. I've seen lightning, you know, disintegrate trees and burn trees. All right, so, weather guy, you need to you need to figure this out. You need to figure that out if it makes glass. I would say most likely you're heating it up <laughs> super fast. So yeah, it makes sense. Logical. Okay. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. A Sweet Home Alabama. That movie had a huge science advisor. Oh, on it. Darn. So, <laughs> no. Maybe maybe the same as like Batman and Robin or something. I don't know. So uh, I needed to one. know. I don't know. I wrote um, it down in my notes. Okay. I like it. I was no. very invested in finding the answer to that. See, here, here's the thing. Okay, I want to say this real quick. Here's the thing. That you you would be exactly the kind of student I'm looking for. Because I tell students, I tell students there's the one no, you can make fun of. <laughs> no, no, not a, yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. But no, 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 no. Because because that okay, we're at this juncture right now in our society. And if you watch the news or if you're on any kind of social media people's ability to kind of decipher between what is fact and what is not and understand how science works is diminished and it's i'm, I'm not saying that it this is an example of you i'm saying the fact that people don't ask questions and say is that really true yeah like people that watch that movie might go oh man if i could get some lightning i could go make glass in my backyard in my sandbox is that true i don't know but if a kid asked me that i'm like you know at least you were you're using the part of your brain where you want to know something mm -hmm. and too often we see something and we just take it mm -hmm. well that's an yeah. i've had kids say that to me i saw it in a movie 
-hmm. That's gotta be true, right? Well, no, <laughs> no, no, not at all. There's lots of myths in movies. I mean, really, you're gonna come to me with Iron Man and ask me if this stuff is true in See, that movie. Alabama. <laughs> you know? And so, so I think in, in reality, no, you're, you're the kind of student that I want because you're not afraid to ask a question. Jeff, like, thank you so much. This was such an incredible opportunity. Um, we're so grateful that you said yes to this. So we really oh. appreciate you. Everyone go check out Jeff's work. It's incredible. Um, and also be like him, you know, say yes to your students and say yes to your colleagues because it, it just clearly makes an impact. So thanks. Thanks, Thank you guys. I appreciate, I appreciate y'all having me.